coming up on Pass the Secret Sauce. The two most important things, no matter what business you're in, we all know it. Yes, product is incredibly important, right? You can't win if you can't match your product to a, to a need. But really, sales and distribution mm-hmm. and understanding your costs are you know, principles that are going to be here for, for the rest of time when, when you're looking at building businesses, whether you're the highest growth venture back business or an incredible family business generating, you know, cash flow, but as a small business. And that's the, that's like, there's no magic secret sauce for that. It's really a lot of hard work and going in eyes wide open to understand those things. Welcome to the show, I'm Matt Shields. On Pass the Secret Sauce, we unscramble the life stories, skills, and secrets from the most wicked smart minds and interesting people to uncover their experience and recipes for success that will help you get an edge on your own life. My goal is to help you rein in on the chaos that life throws at us by learning from other high achievers. If you're new to the show, we have episodes with founders, CEOs, investors, and leaders. So if you like to learn and are motivated to improve your life, then kick back and listen to our guests pass their secret sauce. Today on Pass the Secret Sauce, we have Dean Brower, who is the co-founder and president of GoHenry. GoHenry is a unique system, digital system, that helps younger people learn how to manage their money, which is something that I absolutely believe is missing in a lot of the upbringing and the, they have a lot of innovative ways that they allow parents to help their kids learn how to, again, manage their money. And this is all done through a digital platform. They specialize in children 18 and younger. So really, really an interesting business model. We get into some of the ideas that they wanted to to bring to the market, why they created this, how they created some of the challenges that they've run into. So really an interesting story and a, a great story about how they're changing young people's lives. So Uh, Without further ado, I hope you enjoy today's episode of Pass the Secret Sauce with Dean Brower. Well, thanks for having me, Matt. Great question. It It was lively. Dinner was a really important part of our family. It was, you know, our parents gave us, I'm, I'm one of three siblings and also have a blended family and have three stepbrothers. So we're a big family, you know, kind of like the Brady Bunch. And we got a lot of independence to be able to do what we needed to do. But family was like a religious time in the sense that we couldn't, um, dinner time was a religious time where we couldn't miss dinner. Our family dinners were lively. We, my parents did a great job in speaking to us openly about the world. I come from somewhat of a family of entrepreneurs, so uh, okay. I, I always joked that like I didn't do an MBA, but I got one at a dinner table, and yeah. I got one through like practice and being able to hear like real stories about what it meant to grow a business, and not in a romantic way, in a in a positive way, but the reality of what it was to be an entrepreneur, take risks, how to do customer discovery, how to price, what does it mean to work and earn money for a living so that it, it was interesting because like that was um, my father who was an entrepreneur an uncle who was an entrepreneur a whole bunch of my mom's first cousins who are entrepreneurs wow. so 
it was interesting to like that's one of I, I always joke that like my MBA should be like on my LinkedIn should be MBA from my dinner. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's great. That's great. What yeah. what types of industries were, were were all these people in, all your family members in? Varied. So it's varied across like manufacturing and furniture, automotive, retail, software, pharmaceutical, wow. proper investing. Uh, some interesting manuf- other manufacturing businesses. So it's just, it was like a wide range and it was never, I, until, you know, I did what I was doing, wasn't too many people doing like venture back companies. It's just yeah. like, you know, growing businesses and thinking about cash flow and profitability and all those wonderful things. That's, that's interesting. So, so you're one of the first people that took on investments, correct? That, that in your family? Yes. So, so, and and what was their reaction to that? I mean, I'm I'm assuming that you probably were bouncing ideas off of off of all of the people that you had in your in your network. Were they were they kind of steering you away from that, or did they think that that was a good idea? What what, what was the thoughts there? No, I mean, there was a few things like that was encouraging when you know my we'll get into how I got this business started with a group of people because it's not it's not my necessarily my idea but Mm. and it's not a traditional founding story i got a lot of confidence because i did have some people in my network who were venture investors i had entrepreneurs in my network through my family and it's just a different way of building a business at the end of the day yeah so i it's more about the tie that binds i think both groups right is at some stage someone has to take a risk and at some stage you have to back yourself, right? And you have to believe in yourself and you should go into it no matter how you're funded and what type of business you're building, eyes wide open. Mm-hmm. You know, success is, is a continuum over a long period of time. It's, it's not just financial success, first of all, when you're starting a business, although that's incredibly important, but it's a journey and it takes time. And to have the confidence to be able to do that sometimes comes from seeing other people do it and other people who maybe are smarter than you or you perceive smarter than you and more sophisticated but a lot of the confidence i got was that back yourself Mm -hmm. right like Mm -hmm. feel confident in the idea of course do you know make sure the the market's there the product fits the market understand your costs understand your cash all that wonderful stuff but at the end of the day like know that it is about the the, the fortitude you have, the grind you're going to put into it, and that you have to be tenacious to work through it because you won't know all the right answers. And like hard work goes like most of the way. Yeah, yeah. And that's like really encouraging stuff to hear. And you don't have to come from, you know, the best schools in the country or, you know, be building businesses from the time you were 11 to be a successful business person or entrepreneur. There's certain principles and fundamentals and you need some toolkit and some exposure to other people to help you but hard work goes a long way in life and having conviction and the tenacity to stick with things helps a lot yeah no and and that's what i think a lot of people don't realize that you know they think that entrepreneurialism is this grandiose overnight success thing that just you know pops up and all of a sudden you're successful i mean i've i've been in my own businesses for 23 years and we're still, you know, we still have struggles and, you know, it, uh, it's ups and downs, ebbs and flows, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you keep growing and evolving and learning and, you know, slogging through all the noise and negativity that you might be 
you know, trying to push you down and you gotta, you gotta just keep going. So, so that's great. So, so you, we kind of skipped ahead a little bit, but talk about, is this your, is Go Henry the first company that you started? Did you have other companies that you've, you've started before this? Not, um, this is the first real entrepreneurial thing I've done. I made a lot of entrepreneurial decisions in my life and was quite, had a lot of interesting jobs when I was younger that mm-hmm. I think were quite entrepreneurial and how I was making money as a, as a, from, you know, I've been working since I was 12 years old all the way to, you know, this, but. And, and that, the, that, that was kind of, that was kind of my, 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 my point too, is, was what types of, like, were you the person who always had, you know, slinging candy or were you the person who was out there trying to, to, you know, earn a dollar on your, on your own, what types of jobs were you, were you doing at, at yeah. a younger age? So the first thing was that, and it really connects to go Henry. The first thing was that I started working when I was 12 years old in a factory and how I was able to do that is it was a family business, right? It's my family's business. And there was a kind of like, very quickly at 12, I had to wake up, me and my brother, I don't know why my sister didn't do it, but me and my brother had to wake up at six in the morning, be at the factory at seven in the morning and work till 1 p.m. And that's how we got our allowance. Okay. And that was my introduction to work, which was really interesting for six bucks an hour, folding textiles and being directed by a plant manager and someone in the factory and being told what to do mm-hmm. and then leaving that experience that first day of like, you know, waking up at six in the morning at 12 years old is, is a tough grind. Wow. I just made, you know, 40 bucks. And yeah, I just, that I, I just worked really hard for that. And I did that job. Like I worked in a factory till I was 18 years old, which is really interesting because I don't know too many people in my cohort that have done that. And I started to, I, I, I did like every job except for what was called piecework, which piecework was like the highest prize job. You can make okay. actually really good money, like pushing out the furniture and being responsible for the assembly. So I worked, I worked like receivables, packaging, shipping, textiles, factory cleanup, returns. I mean, everything. And what I really learned was like efficiency why efficiency was so important. Mm-hmm. I learned really valuable things around how hard it is to actually make money and earn money and how having a respectable job, whether you're sweeping the factory or running the factory, like everybody deserves respect, right? Yeah. Everyone who's going out and working hard, they're trying to provide for their family. And it really, it gave me incredible skills of getting to know a lot of people that I wouldn't be have been exposed to based on how I was brought up and gaining huge amounts of respect for that kind of work. Mm -hmm. Right. And that was an interesting dynamic because I could talk to the CEO of the company in an honest way. And I could talk to the plant manager and everyone working under them. And the plant manager was my boss and, you know, true story. I got fired once. Yeah fired by the plant manager because I didn't show up to the minute on time I was like tired and set sat down on a skid while I was supposed to be doing something they kicked me out of the factory and they fired me and I couldn't come back for weeks yeah I mean all those things like really helped me yeah and when I reflect on it it like it's a lot of inspiration today like it's really I think I thought it was a cool experience then I did like 
some entrepreneurial stuff like in university <laughs> we used to have this promotional it was like it wasn't a racket but we would sign up oil change companies and um okay. so you'd go to a Midas in a neighborhood right and you'd say to the franchise owner like let us go do a promotion in the neighborhood to drive the the neighborhood you know footfall to to your Midas operation yeah. and for you to do that we need a promotion from you so we had these like laminate promotional cards and you for 69.99 you could you could get like five oil changes for freeze or tire rotated mm -hmm. and we went out to the neighborhood and banged on doors and we asked people within 5 minutes at dinner time you write us a check for 69 bucks and we'll give you this promotion yeah, yeah. and we brokered the deal with the franchise owner that like he had to give us those promotions wow. more or less for free yeah so i was earning about like 45 bucks a card that i could sell wow start making like good money in university and only working like four hours in an evening yeah there was some setup and admin behind that but it was a you know that was an incredible experience because that's what taught me how to sell like i had to come to your doormat that's knock great. on your door in dinner time and convince you why you needed this and to write me a check for for 69 bucks i mean it was so we did that's that all great. through university and, and you started uh, you started that or you were one of the 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 People yeah, it was like that? it was my one of my really good friends, older brother, who had done it and like latched onto the idea, and we all just like we were like, let's wow. go. And That's cool. So we'd drive out in cars, and there'd be a fleet of us, and we'd organize like who took what turf, and we'd have a map. And, <laughs> you know, it was really like, some days like look, some days you knock on two hundred doors and you don't sell anything. Yeah. And some days you knock on two hundred doors and you sell ten of them. Yeah. And to be able to go through that experience and like. No one, you know, I feel good about how I presented myself. No one ever kicked me off their lawn and it was genuine value we were delivering. Yeah. That was, and then, you know, I'd hustle a little bit with like, we'd have Santa Claus parades I'd figure out how to buy wholesale flags and go sell them for the day and make a couple thousand bucks. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, stuff so you, like de that. you definitely have uh, entrepreneurial entrepreneurialism running through your veins for sure. I mean, it's, uh, those are, those are some pretty pretty good stories of, of, you know, starting out and, and uh, making things happen on your own. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So, yeah it was fun. So how, how did, uh, how did Go Henry get started? So Go Henry was, um, I lived in the UK for 10 years, lived in London, England. And I, my background at the time was in marketing and I was doing work for brands like PlayStation and Telefonica, which is a big telecommunications company. And I had met a group of three parents who had this idea of Go Henry, and it was born out of their own family. It was effectively like they were seeing their teenage kids spending all their money on iTunes and mm -hmm. Amazon and you know streaming games online and attaching parents' credit cards to this. And they started, uh, you know, they were like thinking of like how do kids get their money? They get their money through allowance, but they also don't have a safe spending mechanism to spend online and their behavior from where their allowance was being spent on like, you know, candies and magazines was now moving to a digital world and they weren't able to participate in that digital world, didn't have a currency and there was no parental oversight. So the kind of what you see today almost with our products comes like isn't that far away from those ideas. And they were raising a bit of seed financing. Uh, I met them. They needed help with a marketing plan and a go-to-market plan. And I got to know them quite well. 
And at the time I was like in more of a corporate environment and was starting to get itchy to really do a business for myself. And I had a few ideas. One was I could go start a business and go down that road and be like, you know, the founder and go raise money. But I had a bunch of ideas, but nothing was connecting. Right. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't finding, I didn't find myself like really grinding hard on the weekends and extra hours to bring those ideas to life. And that was a signal that they probably weren't great ideas or I wasn't the right person to do it or passionate enough about it. And I started looking around saying, you know what, I could actually buy into a business. And the reason I thought that was because my wife and I had, um, we were at a stage where we had like a little bit of savings and typically our cohort, you know, of, of course, this is a fortunate story, but our cohort could go, you know, was buying homes, doing their first little down payment on a house and buying an apartment in London or doing that back home in Toronto. And my own thesis was, mm, I could put a, I could do a house later, but I should actually back myself and go look for a business. And I started looking for a business to buy into. And at the same time, I had met the Go, the Go Henry crew. And they had maybe a little bit of seed funding. It was a PowerPoint idea. There wasn't much code and I could help. So I basically built a relationship with them, helped them with the marketing plan. And one day just decided like, look, I want to invest in this business. I don't want to be an employee. I want to get it going with you. I want to put skin in the game. And I'm, you know, in a way betting on black and backing myself. And my own theory was if it works, that for sure over a 10, 15 year period, I will beat the housing market. Yeah. And the only sacrifice I had to make, which was a big one, was leave a corporate job, delay, delay having like a stable house and rent for a while, quite a long time, and, you know, not live a certain lifestyle that maybe my professional friends were living. And, um, and I had to start a family at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So that's, so I got in. And there's a group of, you know, we're a group of kind of friends and family who knew each other. It was born out of this need to serve ourselves and our own families. I was very connected emotionally to the idea. I was connected to the need. But I saw a market opportunity. Like, you, you saw two things coming together, right? And maybe other people didn't see it at the time. But certainly as a group, we saw it a huge market opportunity to help kids get into the digital world mm-hmm. and an incredible marriage between this business opportunity and doing something really good for people and families and delivering utility and emotionally wise connected to it is as you can hear, I got some financial literacy as a kid. I was able to take control of earning money from a young age, which was effectively my allowance, mm-hmm. but I learned to manage that money and then like when I was 15, 16, I mean, my dad was like making me read like rich dad, poor dad, and, like all this stuff. That's great. And I felt connected and I fundamentally always feel that like financial literacy is about feeling confident and having the tools to be able to understand that money, no matter your means, to a degree is something you could control rather it than it controlling you. Yeah. 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 Couldn't, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. So when you were starting that company out, were you involved in the, you know, kind of the initial launch? I mean, obviously you were starting the marketing and all of that. So you were, you were kind of on the ground floor getting those first customers. What types of 
challenges were you guys running into? Did you did you have an avatar that you knew that this is the right type of person, or uh, talk a little bit about how how you approached that and how you developed all of that and and got over that that initial starting of the the company? Yeah, tough times, right? Those are really really tough times. There was a few things. One, we were creating a category, right? Mm -hmm. This idea right. of kids having a debit card and allowance moving digital was, was, was very unique and there wasn't a blueprint for this. So the, the first little bit of the company was like, as we were getting together and we knew we could get some financing was really putting the plumbing together. So thinking about the product and the processing and the banking relationships and all that stuff. And it took us a bit to get the marketing to work. I think in the earliest days, it was tough in the sense that there was no demand in search. So we weren't like a traditional e-com company where you could go into search, work your keywords, work your SEO. There's high demand and traffic there for you to pick up. You had to create the category and drive demand from the top and educate the market. Facebook was coming into maturity. It was still a bit of a black box. It wasn't the ad tech on Facebook back when we started was, was there, but it wasn't, you know, there wasn't a highly skilled kind of workforce that was understand how to use those algorithms mm -hmm. and, you know, drive demand from paid social and that evolved. So we tested a lot of different things. We did a ton of customer work. Our CPO who's in, in the business today he and I used to, I mean, I remember even in the earliest days, like day one, just picking up the phone, speaking to customers and doing like a lot of customer development work ourselves to really understand the appeals, the barriers to entry and how we could create both a product that, that dealt with those things, but also a hierarchy of messaging. And, and, and then real quick there too. So you, you're mentioning the customers who actually are the customers that you're reaching out to. Is it the parents or is it the kids or what, what, so we, we target the parent okay. and the parent has to, you know, the parent is effectively the legal owner of the account. And that's why on a regulation perspective, you're able to get kids as young as six using a card or an app like this. Mm -hmm. So the parents, the legal owner, and then the kids are the users. And we're designing a product for effectively four user groups, the parents and kids of, you know, from six to 17, which each have their own different life stages. Mm -hmm. And um, so you're, you're building a profile on the buyer effectively, which is the customer. And then you need to make sure the product fits naturally into the life of both the parent and the family. And so the kids and the extended family. So when we started to grow, really. Virtus Technology is a custom business software solution provider. Are you tired of manual entry into an old system that creates more work than it helps? Does your company suffer from constant pain and frustration around its business processes? Do you spend a lot of time and money trying to hunt information down or figure out what is happening in your business? Virtus Technology can help solve all of this. We evaluate your current processes and then create custom software or mobile apps to automate and streamline your business process, eliminating a lot of those pains and frustrations. Unlike other systems, our goal is to digitize your current processes and systems so that your staff's learning curve is very small. If you're ready to take your business operations to the next level, 
Give Virtus Technology a call today. It was about understanding who the best customer was and then testing different things in digital to find the best customers that delivered the highest conversion rates on your landing page and become your most profitable customers. And then we did a lot of work in the early days. You know, it took a bit to get the numbers going and there was like a, a year period of like building the product and customers, we weren't really finding the market. There wasn't product market fit and it was, it was a grind. And so, and then we, and then it kind of, the market moved a bit forward, cashless was coming and we honed into traction channels, digital channels that could work, drive growth for the business. And then it was all about understanding the profitability of a customer and how to get the most ROI on your spend and building out that engine. And as you were saying earlier um, about entrepreneurship, like this is, you know, a daily activity of understanding your ROI and your costs and all the levers you have available to pull to get the business on the right economic foundation. And the two most important things, no matter what business you're in, we all know it. Yes, product is incredibly important, right? You can't win if you can't match your product to a, to a need. But really, sales and distribution mm-hmm. and understanding your costs are you know, principles that are going to be here for, for the rest of time when, when you're looking at building businesses, whether you're the highest growth venture-backed business or an incredible family business generating you know, cash flow, but as a small business. And that's the, that's like, there's no magic secret sauce for that. It's really a lot of hard work and going in eyes wide open to understand those things. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. What, so once you had the, the, um, the, the profiles that you were going after, what types of techniques did you, used to be able to, to, to grow that? I mean, what were you, did you find, you mentioned that you found some different channels that, that were working well, but obviously with that growth comes other challenges as well, you know, processing all of those and getting those systems in place. Talk a little bit about, you know, how you guys approached, you know, that, that scaling aspect of the, of the, of the business. Yeah. So we, we fundamentally feel that a lot of this is about having a method and a process and matching that method and process to your market and your business and understanding all the levers available to pull to make sure that you can fulfill demand and drive demand. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's really a scientific method at the end of the day. Now, my background is more in, you know, I'm a, I'm a really qual person, consumer person, product you know I, I have good instincts on product and design i have good instincts on advertising and branding i understand the funnel understand the customer but we also have we have a great team like an incredible product team and it's a mix of like and a great ceo who is a phd in you know not everyone can have this but we have a ceo who's a phd in economics and he's really an engineer and a statistician and the mixing of like science and art in the business mm-hmm. so is a really interesting thing to help you understand your growth and manage your growth. And I think like, I often think like, what would you do if you were a restaurant owner versus, you know, your bigger company that has more resources and means? 
someone who understands costs and finances and someone who understands product and marketing and sales really is the is a is a good formula that's tried and tested so we just worked the method we worked the process and that is not something that like was obvious to us always right mm -hmm. it's it's a really iterative thing and you're really we like to say that like we grow through learning right mm -hmm. it's it's experimenting and learning to find that method in the process and i think the hardest thing about being an entrepreneur is as you're building your business, sometimes if you're going into it and thinking there's vertical traction right away, th those are the lucky folks. Yeah. You know, that's just perfect product market fit. Bunch of things come together, some good early decisions, but a lot of that is just identifying just this void in the market with this high need and you're, mm -hmm. you go like that. Most of it is working early to understand your process, your customer, your cost and testing and experimenting to figure out what method and process works best for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. And not being afraid to fail, you know, you have to, you have to be willing to be able to say, you know, we, we might be wasting our time trying this, but you know, it, it's worth a try, you know, so. Definitely. And, um, you know, there's this like saying of an entrepreneur is like, you know, you, you do have these peaks and valleys and mm -hmm. there's like this, like, you could get into the valley and feel despair. You know, you're going through interesting psychological development as a human when you're doing these things. And I think a lot of it is just um, taking a breath, having conviction and knowing that nothing is perfect. No business is perfect. No process is perfect. And you're going to learn through that experimentation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, it's interesting too. I think, I think that, as you are going through that, you get you get used to going through these these ebbs and flows too, and you start to recognize like, oh, you know, I, I can remember when I first started out, it was like, oh, God, we're not doing well, you know, what's going to happen, and this isn't going to work. And now it's like you recognize that today is not a good day, tomorrow will be better. You know, that's pretty well, you know, that's 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 part of being yeah, an entrepreneur, <laughs> for sure. And I'm I'm lucky on my experience was the luck was that actually the folks when I talk that we're not a founder led business, it's, we're actually, you know, a bunch of folks in the business and most of the people around me on our executive team, this isn't their first go around, right? Mm -hmm. They've been building businesses themselves or, you know, growing good internet businesses. And it's helpful to have those folks around. And it's also helpful to make sure that you have your own independent mentor network as an entrepreneur that's outside your business. And working with people who've seen what you might not have seen before. Mm -hmm. So in many ways, I feel like I can identify what you're saying about those early days, which is, oh my God, like yeah. it's not working and you want to bang your head against the wall. Yeah. And what are we doing? What am I doing? And the game you're playing in your head. And um, I feel fortunate that like I've been able to mature as an entrepreneur within this business. And I feel like I'm a bit of a late bloomer, but I'm like getting into my flow really well. Mm -hmm. And I always think about sport actually. Like I think like the greatest, I think compliment the thing about a business. I, I played sport. That was the other thing I didn't mention, but playing sport as a young person and being on a team sport, I draw a lot of parallels to like mm -hmm. business building. And fundamentally, like I think the whole idea of having coaching and within a business world now is very interesting. 
I think that like, you know, at the end of the day, a great team is a team that like a championship sports team is a team that has an incredible leadership. They know the direction they're going and the team is coming together. When the ball drops, your teammate picks it up for you. And just thinking about how an athlete even prepares for like their season, let alone the playoffs and a championship. I think like as business people, you could draw inspiration from that and like really get yourself into that kind of like mindset of being competitive and working, like having a method, a routine every day, a process helps. It, it helps me a lot in my experience. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that analogy a lot. You, you mentioned you kind of just glanced, or glanced over it real quick, but have you joined any type of entrepreneurial networks, programs, mentorships, or anything like that? What, what, which ones have you joined and which ones have you, have you enjoyed the most or got the most value out of, would you say? Yeah. So I've started doing that over the last few years. So one I did for a period of time, I had a business coach and that was something, it's actually the first time I'm admitting it publicly. Few people know about it. I don't know why I haven't admitted it publicly, but it's just one of those things. But I uh, had a business coach and it was because I was feeling that I was heading into a very different growth stage than I had experienced in the company. I had a move from one country to where I am now to get our U.S. business off the ground. And I just I, I was tapping into this idea of like, well, Michael Jordan you know, every day had someone helping him get yeah. in the game. The sports analogy. Why yeah. I yeah. should, I should get someone getting me in the game because I was leaving the, the HQ. I'm the only executive outside the HQ today. And I needed to make sure I wasn't isolated alone in that journey. My team's super supportive. My partners are supportive. It's great, but I wanted my own resource. That was really helpful. It's great. And then I was recommended by a great founder and CEO of a, of a, of a good venture backed company that I got a chance to kind of get to know this guy. And he was a big proponent of a couple, he, he's actually in a couple different entrepreneurial groups and recommended one for me that uh, recommended two. I've decided to do one, but I've joined, I've joined a local one in Canada called okay. the founder cities project. And it's like, a really great diverse range of entrepreneurs from, you know, like, like high revenue, high growth venture backed entrepreneurs, right. to like kind of like people starting a new business with five people on their team. Mm -hmm. And it's great. I mean, it's great to have an outlet. Sometimes you go into it and you're like, oh, I'm so busy and my, my calendar's full and yeah. I've, I've got young kids but all the time I kind of leave feeling like it's nice to have a support network outside your business to, it's really a mix. Those forums, these groups are a mix of personal and professional, mm -hmm. which is nice. Mm -hmm. So it's good to be able to identify with other people. I'm in, I'm in an interesting life stage. I've got young kids and you're, you're trying to grow a business at the same time. And so there's pressure. It's good pressure. It's fun, but you gotta, you know, it's nice to have a support network. You, you can't, I always say like, you don't want to, you don't want to take the world on your shoulders alone. You don't want to yeah. suffer in silence. It's really important to have a network of people. And it's kind of like, as I, as I get to understanding life more, you know, I fundamentally believe life is about the positive relationships you have and the experiences you collect. And that's really what it comes down to. 
So in your business life, you should try to have some fun and connect with people you want to work with in your company, outside your company and have support. I love that. Because otherwise it's lonely and it could be really brutal. Yeah, I love that. And I, I'm, I'm a complete believer in uh, getting as much mentorship and as much advice as you possibly can whenever you can. So I, I, I love all the different you know, mentorship programs or, or, you know, programs that help you succeed, you know, bounce ideas off other people that have been there, done that and, and learn from their, their mistakes. We didn't really, we didn't really dive deep into what GoHenry actually is. We, we know that it is a platform that allows essentially children to have their own method of managing their money, but how, how does it work? I mean, are, is it basically the parents are, depositing the, the kids' allowances into this platform? And then is there like training, uh, you know, how to, how to spend money, manage money, all of that kind of stuff? Is that all included in the platform as well? Yeah, for sure. So think of it as um, in the category, think of us actually as like an ed tech and a fintech company, mm-hmm. right? And the way it works is you've got, you've got an app and there's, a, there's two views in the app effectively, right? There's the view for the parents and then there's the kids and both have their own username, logins, password. And that app is connected to a debit card and it kind of makes the debit card more sophisticated, smarter than it would be if you just had a debit card without an app. So the way it works is the, the reason parents sign up is, and what they're looking for is they're moving from like a cash-based allowance method into a digital one. They're connected to financial literacy and financial education. So, and then there's an ease and convenience component of it. And we know that kids now need debit cards. They need debit cards, not in in 2020, it's not just now online. It's like you need a debit card in store as well to shop because the world is just accelerating into into this cashless society. So the idea is like with the rise of a cashless society, we need to make sure that kids can not only participate in a digital economy, but that they can actually learn about what money means to them, the value of money. And, and to do that in a digital world, you need smart tools like an app and you need to connect that to the payment instrument, which is the card. So the parent, the way it works is the parent like loads their wallet. They can do that through bank transfer or debit card. They put a certain amount of money into their wallet, and then they decide how they want to give their kids money. So whether that's through a regular automatic allowance on a Saturday morning or a Friday night, do they want to just give them tasks and chores to be able to do around the house or extracurricular stuff and reward them for that with money? or make one-off transfers like your kids are downtown and they need a little cash to get home, transfer them 10 bucks and they could get the Uber ride. Now, the truth is that parents are using a blend of that, right? It's not just one size fits all for each family. And we've worked really hard to tailor it to each family about what they need to do because there's no right and wrong when it comes to how you want to give your kids money. And then the kids get um, independence and freedom. They get a debit card. There's some oversight from the parents, so the parent could choose to set spending limits, decide where the card could be used. Both the kid and the parent get real-time notifications telling them how much they've just spent, what's available in their balance. And then the kids go through a process of learning to manage money. And as they're growing from maybe when their parents are signing them up, they're eight, nine, 10 years old, and they're growing with us till they're teenagers. And they get some important features and functions around kind of understanding the value of money and going through a cycle to do that. 
features where they can earn money and request to earn more money. They get to, uh, so it's like, we think of it like earn, save, spend, and give. So they can earn some money based on how they agree with their parents, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of this is about starting conversations in the family. They can earn some money. They can save some money. So they could set a savings goal for uh, whether that's a cash-based goal or they're saving towards an item. And we try to build a habit of savings to make it automatic and user-friendly. So the, the child tells us, what they're saving for and their goal and when they want to meet that goal. And then we automate it for them. Uh, so they it. hit, yeah. they hit, they tap the button and we, we basically put aside each week a certain amount of money to reach that goal. And it's very important. Kids are setting short-term goals and long-term goals, then spending, they're able to spend online and offline. They can personalize their cards. So actually we give customers a choice and they can upgrade into a card where it's, it's go Dean or go Matt instead of go Henry. And they pick from, you know, there's about like a whole bunch of different designs. And then in the app, they could categorize their spend based on the last weeks, the, the month, the category and type of spend. And we visually show that to them to help them understand what's coming in and what's going out. And then we work in the U S we've partnered with boys and girls clubs of America and kids make micro donations to boys and girls clubs. So, oh, and then within, back, yeah. within that experience, there's a lot of nudging about why it's good to give, how much allowance is right for the age, what a chip means, what a pin means. And there's a whole lot of like nudging and some content in the app to help kids learn about money. And yeah, there's, so it's, it. it's really, really a full tool to, to give kids independence and money management. Skills. I love it. I love it. And, and is there a, an average age that you see people using this? I, I know you said that, you know, they're, they're in there young until maybe they're a teenage teenager. Is there, is there like a kind of a, a sweet spot, I guess you can say when, when people should think about getting their kids involved in something like this? Well, we actually, we, um, we service age groups from six to 17 and we have good representation across all those age groups. And it comes down to the parent and the family and what's right for them. There's research that's been done by a company called the Money Advice Service in the United Kingdom that partnered with Cambridge University in the United Kingdom. And it's, it's old research now, maybe five, six years old, but it's, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's one of the best studies to show that actually your habits towards money start from as young as seven. Mm-hmm. So your attitudes and behavior towards money starts as long as seven and that your parents actually play the biggest role in your life. And a lot of that is getting experience from a young age and having positive conversations around money. And there's a lot of hacks for parents to be able to do this really well. But, you know, we have lots of six-year-olds and seven-year-olds. We've got a lot of eight-to-tweens. And then, you know, like we're a unique company when kids stop at 18 and we actually have customers writing us letters <laughs> like to cancel writing us letters to say we need this done, <laughs> yeah we've well, done such a great job for our family almost 90 percent of parents feel their kids are better off at managing money as a result of using go henry and they they write us letters to say well we're graduating them out and thank you so much Thank yeah. you so much for what you've done, you know, and um, so there's, um, we're dealing with two of the most emotional things in a parent's life, their kids and their money, right? Yeah. And we bring those things together under a brand and a product and service. So 
I love it. I love it. This is this has been fascinating. I I certainly appreciate the the time, Dean. If if someone wanted to learn more about you or your products, where would you suggest that they go? Oh, just go to gohenry.com and um, have a read and uh, check out what your friends are saying on social about it. But yeah, go to our website and um, check it out. And we allow customers to sign up, 30-day free trial, uh, get the card out to you, use it, cancel at any time. So it's a, it's a low barrier to entry. It takes a couple minutes to sign up and uh, you can get going. I love it. I love it. Yeah, this is this is really, really cool, Dean. And I much, much needed service too. I know I know some some people that uh, definitely could have used this, you know, this growing up. So uh, I will be recommending it to to friends and family who have younger ones. And and uh, I, I love it. I love it. Certainly. Important. Cool. Thanks. So, yeah. Thanks so much, Matt. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And remember, pass the secret sauce.